When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's the thing that I've realized as an entrepreneur, like you're not giving yourself enough freedom and permission to follow your dream. You're holding yourself back. You're creating those beliefs of, well, it was a great run and now it's time to kind of go back to just a regular eight to five. And so maybe you do, right? Maybe that is for you. But for the people that have a desire to really, as I say, as a challenger, change the world and actually mean it. You have the capacity to do it. You just got to figure out what your beliefs need to change into so that you can achieve it. There's a difference between a dream chaser and a dream catcher. Thanks all for tuning in to Dream Catchers, where we make things happen. Dream Catchers was formally launched to unlock the hidden potential in successful, self-motivated individuals who desire to take their life's work to the next level but need support to evolve. We are a collective group of professionals with various backgrounds, that use our talents to assist those individuals in realizing their wildest dreams by providing education, inspiration, and direction. This podcast is where we share the lessons we've learned along the way to catching our dreams and give you some context around the how and the why to each approach to put you further ahead on the journey to catching your dreams. Are you ready? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dreamcatchers Podcast. I'm your host, Jerome. I've got my good friend, Melanie, with me today. Melanie, how are things? It's awesome. Smiling because I'm with you. You're really fantastic. I can't believe I just met you like a few weeks ago. It's crazy. Oh, no, we've known each other for a really long time. Don't worry about that. <laughs> we've been soul sisters and brothers. I'm telling you, it's how yes. it happens. Where are you? I am in Indianapolis, Indiana. It's cold up there. Mm-hmm. And it's raining. <laughs> it's supposed to snow. I'm like, no, not yet. It's- yeah, it's wild. So before we dive in, where can the listeners get in contact with you? They can find me at everydayleaders.com. Pretty Ooh. simple. What's an everyday leader? Oh, an everyday leader is someone that wakes up every morning and makes choices to improve their life. That's what an everyday leader is, as simple as that. And every single person has the ability to be a leader in their life. And what I've learned throughout the years in my journey is we are the hardest people to lead. (laughs) Leading ourselves is the most difficult situation because we're influenced by people and surroundings and careers and choices and faith in politics, I mean, (laughs) everything, right? Everything influences us. And so, my goodness, it's hard to stay consistent with what your beliefs are. And and that's part of the journey that I'm helping people with is really telling your story about your own beliefs. Wow. Okay. So, there's so many places to go. I don't want to jump ahead of things. Let Let me go back to the beginning. And so, how did you get to this place where you were leading the tribe of everyday leaders? What what happened before you got here? And then what led you to want to do this thing? You know, so the short story is, uh, when I was born, uh, my family was of faith. My great-grandparents had established a tabernacle 
First Tabernacle and Nursing Home in Indiana. And so I was raised in that, you know, my first few years and uh, preachers would come in from all over the Midwest and they would help and and create community. And uh, I learned that John Maxwell, who I am now a team member with as a coach, his father, Melvin Maxwell, had preached with my great-grandfather. So pretty cool to kind of, when you go back and connect all your dots, you know, where did it begin? So I think for me, um, when I was born, I was starting to be influenced in this capacity to kind of serve, be a servant leader. And so as, uh, you know, as I grew and my, my father passed away when I was five, and so his parents were song evangelists. And so they went out to camp meetings. Uh, they basically slated meetings like we would as entrepreneurs and go find business and they would make their own path. They didn't go to a, a place of business. They had to create their own destiny. And so they had, you know, a lot of faith to know that they were going to be able to slate meetings and influence people and, and, you know, be able to make enough money to pay their bills and live their life. But they always counted on their faith. And so as I went through life and uh, was trying to kind of find my way, that was the lesson that they always reminded me, right? That maybe today isn't what you want it, but you have the capacity to create tomorrow. You have that capacity. And so I've always taken that with me and have a lot of challenges, you know, through my life, my father passing away and uh, going to six schools before I was in fifth grade. <laughs> like that was a challenge. Um, playing ice hockey on an all boys team for many, many, many years uh, in a league. That was a challenge. But, but I really stepped into it because I knew that I was curious about life and I wanted to learn something. And I always tried to show up to add value. So how could I make tomorrow better than today? And so through, you know, just through experiences, right, you start to choose every single day how you're going to show up. And, and so as I went to high school, created a radio station for our high school, and that, that was kind of something really cool back in the 80s. Yes, I'm over 50. <laughs> I just gave it away. <laughs> but we needed a radio program at the school. And so another friend of mine, we said, let's start one, right? So we got permission, and, uh, and that was really fun. And then I realized I started, I was a kind of the catalyst for can we start something else? And that happened to be a girls softball team at our high school. Well, it wasn't until a few years ago, Jerome, that somebody reminded me, don't you remember? We were the ones that signed those petitions and got those signatures and got that coach hired. And, and I was like, yeah, I guess I do remember that. But it was just kind of what we did, right? We had conditioned ourselves so much for like just adding value and finding new ways to do things and finding better ways. That I was a catalyst for influencing a lot of change <laughs> as I was growing up. And so uh, it's really funny, though, to go back and think about that and say, yeah, I guess I've always had it in me. And, uh, and so in, in that, uh, before I went to college, I said, what are the things that I want to learn before I go to college? Now, I was going for journalism, broadcasting, surprised that I'm in that now, right? But I really had a heart for that. And so um, I really wanted to go somewhere and learn as maybe not just a specific mentor, 
but I wanted to learn the systems that I had been influenced by that created the most happiness in my life. And so I'm going to ask you, where do you think that I went and got a job before I went to college? If you could go to what you say is the happiest place on earth. Disney World? Disney World. Yes. (laughs) So that was my goal. I went down to where my grandparents lived in Orlando and I applied. And now in the 80s, there were these trailers. (laughs) There were actually cast member trailers. You go down today and it's like a castle, right? They have the Disney experience and, and all these things for leadership. But at that time, it was trailers like you would see on a construction site. And I went in, I applied, I got the job. And so I, I did that job um, kind of being, um, I don't know, every, every day I got to report to a different station and do and learn different things in the Disney experience. And so, but what it taught me is their foundation of what they call traditions one and two classes that is all about customer servant leadership. Everything is about servant leadership. And so learning that from the core and then taking that into my next phase of what was I going to do in my career, it always helped me to be creative and to develop a plan based on servant leadership. And so it's been just an amazing journey to kind of think about at that stage. And then every job, right? Every job that I've taken, it's, I can't be those eight to five, nine to five, sit in this cubicle think this way, check this box. That is not me. (laughs) That is not me, Jerome. I have to be challenged. That's my why. I have to be challenged because I want to make a difference. And I think because I have been consistently contributing to my own beliefs and saying nothing, noise, whatever is going to get in my way, you know, it hasn't been easy. I'm not saying that at all. It's just I have made a decision to try to figure out a way to be happy and add value every single day and and understand that I might have to pivot, you know? And so learning those lessons um, have been extremely helpful, painful, great experiences, um, but it's gotten me to where I am now. Wow. Okay. Now, I know about (laughs) at least one other job, so you got to talk about at least the job that brought you back and forth in Winston-Salem. Oh my gosh. Yes. So, so here's an interesting thing, right? So, so when we talk about how you go into your career, most people, and I don't know, and I don't really ask a lot of people this, but if you find your first and second and third jobs, how do you find those? You know, you go to college, then you go into the recruiting part and you just kind of find your way. Uh, for me, I, I went to Ball State first and I just didn't fit in. I was more of, I was more serious. I wanted to add value. I didn't feel like I could do what I wanted to do on a campus. And so I came home and started working at a bank, you know, and worked my way through school and then got married and tried to find and connect to jobs that were that helped me to be curious, right? To, to do things challenging, like be on campaign management and to maybe create spaces that had never been created before. And so that, right? So that helped me then get to so many other things in my life and led me into an opportunity to go work in medical devices. 
And so Cook Medical is here in Indianapolis and in Bloomington, Indiana, home of the international headquarters. And so I applied at their division in Winston-Salem, which was Cook Endoscopy. So totally, you know, there's 11 different kinds of medical devices that, that Cook, as the largest private medical device manufacturer in the world, is able to support. And endoscopy, it's the only division that was in Winston-Salem. So <laughs> to interview for them, I had to get on a plane, go into the Greensboro airport and drive down, had a, had a car pick me up and went down to Winston-Salem and, and realized like that was a way that I could bring in my curiosity, my servant leader attitude, and really learn something that I could add value to multiple people, right? My patients, my doctors, my community. And so Jerome, I took that job on as such a great challenge and I, and I was really successful in it for 10 years here in Indiana, and absolutely loved that career, loved that career, taught me so much about myself, right? Consistency and scheduling and, and figuring out ways to actually show up in an industry that you might think is kind of sterile and all about research and, and just doing things the right way. But my kind of influence in being a challenger helped me to learn, helped me to kind of lean in and learn all kinds of very in-depth procedures, and then how could I help? So, you know, for a lot of people listening, I think if, you, if you're going into a medical device space and for the first time, you know, the thing that you have to remember is we have to learn your equipment, but you've got to learn everybody else's too, right? You've got to, you've got to really help your physicians in adding value to the procedure. You're really there as the resource. And so, Learning just your equipment won't get you by, right? You've got to know everybody's and, and how to be able to create solutions uh, instead of just, well, this is the Band-Aid and it fits here. And, and it is really having that creative mind to say, in a difficult situation, what kind of advice are you going to give really as a coach, right, to some of these uh, clinical teams? And I loved it. And it taught me so much about how I wanted to ask questions and how I would show up for other people down the road. And, and that's what's kind of led me to where I am today, right? Right. And so that kind of gave you a taste of you actually moving into your space or your purpose. But did you know that it wasn't actually a place you needed to be and you needed to be in a different space? Well, <laughs> in 2003, I started with Cook. And in 2013, I was pursued by a different company. You know, I had given 10 years of my life and I loved what I did, but I did feel like I wasn't growing. I just was like, okay, is there anything else? You know, that song, is that all there is? <laughs> and so it took me three months to make the decision to leave. And painfully, you know, my manager, he was so great. He was like, I know it's hard, but if you're going to leave, just you've got to make the decision. So I did. And I helped a new a medical device company, an established medical device company, create a space for products that they had never, ever uh, tried in their organization. And so my job was going to be to help the sales team connect to doctors, connect in a way that they could add value to them on products and disease processes. So it was really my niche, right? It was really a great space for me. I was kind of the expert at that time. 
So I did that. I was able to learn immensely, was pulled into multiple uh, positions, training and development. We developed the, uh, the international teams from distributor reps to direct reps. And then I got pulled into global marketing on projects for scope, endoscope tracking um, systems and really launched products that needed to be relaunched. And, and so what it was, when I look back, Jerome, it was helping the salespeople believe in what our mission was to be able to communicate that to the customers. And so, right, so here we go. Where do you connect the dots? It helped me now put programs together for what I'm doing for other people. I can kind of see the big picture. Where do they want to go? How do they need to communicate that? And then what language do they need to use to influence their audience? And that's what's been so much fun. It has been a blast. So I'll tell you what happened next. (laughs) So I'm having the time of my life, right? Having the time of my life at this company, traveling to Europe and Germany and Belgium and, and the UK and just being exposed to so many things that I never would have been exposed to had I stayed at Cook. So leaving my comfort zone allowed me to just live a whole different uh, life expectation in a job. And so on April, so let's go back. So now in 2017, I'm there. It's been four years. I've been having a blast 2013 to 2017. And I had this desire, like now that I had grown in a different capacity, I thought, I'm getting ready to turn 50. (laughs) Man, am I really happy? Am I, do I love what I'm doing? Because most people have a goal, right? When they're 50, they're going to go climb a mountain or they're going to go, you know, go on an exorbitant vacation or they're going to, you know, build a new house. They're going to do something substantial. And I was like, I'm just busy. I'm just living my life. What am I supposed to be doing? There was this little voice inside of me (laughs) that said, you need to show up just as people showed up for you when they were 50. And they made the biggest impact in your life. And this little man on my shoulder said, you know, go back to your faith. Because your grandparents, they were the ones that were 50 years old when you were born. And everything that they did, as long as they lived, gave you the foundation of what you believe. And so, what really reflect on that and journal on it and think about what are you going to do with that information now? to give back and impact the world. What are you missing? You're working, you're doing a great job, but there's more, right? (laughs) Is that all there is? (laughs) There's more. And so that's when I came up with starting a podcast. And that's really where it came, the, the ideas and the influence of, hey, in 2018, I'm getting ready to turn 50 on January 12th. I need to do something bigger so that I can then communicate what is in my heart to the world. And so I did. I launched Everyday Leaders to help people develop strategies to overcome their obstacles. And I branded it 50 in 50, which was, okay, so my birthday's January 12th. So it gave me 50 more weeks in the year, in my 50th year, to do 50 stories. Uh, and so that's that's really how it was developed. And um, what's what's interesting about this, right? So we're getting ready to go into 2021. This will be our fourth year 
of consistency in, uh, in delivering this program of, of just helping others develop strategies. And, oh my gosh, it's taught me so much. Um, I've just, I've learned and developed and grown into what my beliefs are, right? And how to pass that forward and pay it forward even bigger. And so, so what's interesting about this, Jerome, is as I knew I was stepping into my beliefs, um, in 2018, January 12th, right? I was loving every, like everything was in sync. You know, when you have that moment of clarity and you're like, this is it. This is what it feels like. I have my purpose. I have a great career. I have a great husband that I was married to for 28 years at the time, you know, 27 years, I guess. And just everything was going fantastic. And then April the 6th happened. April the 6th of 2018 was the day that I was at a training and I was taken into an office with two people, right? My direct report and the HR director. And the conversation went like this. Well, you've done a really great job for us you have no value to the company any longer. And so we're eliminating your position. <laughs> you know, for somebody that had always shown up in your beliefs and added value and done above and beyond, you know, you're like that. You show up a thousand percent for everything you do. It was unbelievable the way that it was presented to me because I knew it wasn't true. And I knew that there, was, there were changes happening in the organization, but I thought of anybody, I was the one that always said yes. I was the, always the one that performed and created and, and pushed things forward. And so I think people were threatened, <laughs> right? Because I showed up consistently. I wasn't afraid to step into things and try things and create. And so it's okay. What I learned is I didn't fit there. It wasn't me. I couldn't take that personal, and I didn't. I stepped forward and then decided I'm in the momentum of my podcast. I'm in my purpose. I need to keep developing who I am and where I am. And so it really gave me the fuel to identify my own beliefs again and say, put this in check, right? You are doing this for your purpose. So keep building this and things will become very clear. What's up, Tribe? It's your host, Jerome. I just want to let you know that we put together a free 15-point checklist for exiting the matrix. Jump on over to dreamshouldbereal.com in order to pick your free copy up. Let's get back to the show. Wow. Okay. And so did everything just go to plan after? Oh, no. No. Okay. No. The, at the two weeks, right? So you're usually given two weeks to get your things and and uh, say your goodbyes and all of that. So that day was April the 20th, right? So April the 20th, I uh, had thrown everything, burned everything, torn everything apart <laughs> that, that, you know, I needed to get rid of in my house. And I, I stayed up all night on April the 20th. And I was like, I can't believe this is my last paycheck. I'm panicking. What am I going to do? And I stayed up all night. The next morning, I was laying on the couch and I didn't, I couldn't breathe. 
and I felt like, I just felt like my heart was collapsing, right? It was that physical symptom that you have when maybe you're experiencing so much pain and anguish that you don't know what to do with it. And your body responds, your body responds, no matter what, no matter what your brain tells you, your body's going to respond. And so I got my husband and I was like, Joe, take my blood pressure. And it was 87 over 50, five times. (laughs) I said, I think we need to go to the hospital. So he took me in. They checked me in. They did all their checks. There's nothing wrong with you. I'm like, no, there is. I have this huge pressure on my chest. I'm 50. Maybe I'm having a heart attack. And they're like, no, you're fine. Two days, I made them keep me in the hospital. Two days. I would not let them let me go because I thought, you know, I've been in medical. I've read all those charts. I know all those stories. What happens if I leave and I collapse? And so I almost had them do a a catheter, a heart catheter to prove to me, right? I knew what I felt. I knew what I felt. Anyway, after the third day, they said, you have to go home. (laughs) You're going to be fine. And so what I learned is I was having a panic attack for the first time in my life. I had never felt that. I never had anxiety, but that hit me because it was true you know, my body was really responding to what was going on and, and I was not accepting it. I was not accepting it. So anyway, I, uh, I left. And then a few weeks later, I got called by a medical device company to be a VP of sales for their organization. And so I did that for about a year and then the company closed. And so then I was asked by a distributor, why don't you open a company? Why don't you open the the device company here? You're you're aware and prepared and trained for that. So I did that. And and I helped them kind of in the interim, you know, with their, their U.S. distribution model. Uh, and then in the midst of that, just kept coaching my clients and building marketing plans for companies and doing some consulting. And so, you know, now it's just evolved into everything that I do. I'm able to then bring on clients that I can help go through the process that I've learned, which is how do you target your customers? How do you market to your customers? What's your messaging? And the biggest thing is, how are you going to create something that is a better way to to create something interesting in your industry that nobody else is thinking about? And, And I've learned that, and I've been able to pivot through that in marketing positions. And now I love bringing it to my clients because, you know, my clients look like this. I know what I want to do. I just need help getting there. And so we start, we kind of start with the whiteboard and and start creating. And it's so much fun because, you know, man, it it's a journey. <laughs> and I love being on people's journeys because it's such a reward to see them achieve their goals in life. And uh, and it's big, right? It's a big deal. And it changes who they are, it changes their beliefs about themselves, and it changes their beliefs about the world. And and so that's why I say everyday leaders can change the world. Okay. So at what point did you separate from the whole job thing altogether and just do the coaching and the podcast? 
really after I sold the medical device company, when I, when I kind of closed it down, it was just not fulfilling. I thought I'm always trying to show up for everybody else. And, and I know how to do this so well. And it was, I got to teach people how to do this all over again. And I thought, you know, I'm so much better as a consultant because I give myself grace. I put myself on timelines. I'm more accountable to other people so that I can help them with their dreams and processes. Uh, and, and that's really always what I've been hired to do, right? That was the sweet spot that I always got pulled into. And so I just made a decision like the podcast is so amazing. And the things that I was learning through the John Maxwell team and coaching and consulting and doing virtual training uh, back at that medical device company for, since 2013. Like Zoom was something I've done for seven years. <laughs> so, so when that came right, right when the pandemic happened, I thought there's a lot of clients I can help because they don't know how to use these tools. So my business has like quadrupled this year in 2020 because I, again, had condition myself and decided every day I was going to learn something new, try something new, push the envelope so that I could show up and add value. And that's what the universe brings back to you when you know that you're living in your purpose. Um, and so, Jerome, a few weeks ago, I was reached out to by the Y Institute. And the Y Institute, uh, for people that may not know this, Simon Sinek did a talk uh, about, I don't know, 10 years ago now, and it was called Start With Why. And it was his, the most viewed TED Talk uh, anywhere. And so what was really great about this is he started to change how we think about what we do and why we do it and how we do it. And so there's really an order, right? Just like when we talk about the order of our life, I didn't learn how to play hockey when I was 50. I did that when I was seven. <laughs> I didn't go work at Disney when I was 60. I did that when I, before I started any of my training or career. Um, and, and so the order of things in our life matter just like the order of our purpose. So when we know why we do what we do, then we can understand how do we show up for other people? And then what do we bring to the world? And so that's what's been amazing is to say, I get it. It fits together. I can now help my clients figure out their why, also how they're going to deliver what they bring to the world. And the process has been amazing. The people that I am helping through this now have said, all I had to do was change a few words in order and change this process of my own beliefs. And now I get it. Now my customers, I'm speaking to what Simon calls the limbic side of the brain instead of the neocortex, which is facts, figures, and you know dialogue, right? We can help you the best because we have the better rates and you hear it from all the Comcast companies and, and cable companies and car dealerships, like I'll give you the best price. That doesn't speak to my limbic side of my brain. You have to figure out how to message what your value is so that you can connect and get to the customers that believe what you believe. And so, you know, having all the tools in my tool belt and now saying, now I can help them in a bigger capacity understanding their why. Wow. It's just, you know, it's one of those cycles again, where I say I'm on top of the world and having the time of my life to be able to serve people. Whoa. Okay. And so 
I'm glad you circled back to that because you mentioned knowing your why early on and I didn't want people to like just miss it because it was oh yeah well whatever right and no it's so much deeper than that and I think that is just phenomenal okay so doing a podcast for four years is a lot like that's consistency that's intense focus it's you know et cetera et cetera at what point did you realize, hey, I've got to keep going. Like, I got something here. I call this the red pill moment. You know, probably at the end of my first year, at the end of my first year, I was just like reflecting, right? Because what I had decided to do was not only have the podcast, the intent was to have the podcast, write a book from it, which I haven't done yet. <laughs> I'm going to. Uh but the intent was to bring people together, build this community of people that also believe they were everyday leaders. And then I wanted to host a live event. And so I did that. I did that. Uh, the first year of 2018, I hosted my first event on March 2nd. And then for 2019, I hosted my second live event celebrating all of those leaders. And it happened February the 29th of 2020. And so, you know, that, that was my dream, kind of my focus and my whiteboard, like there's a process to everything, right? So um, after the first, after, after 49 shows in 2018, first year, I was thinking, man, I really need to close this out with a bang because will I continue this? Like, will it, will it really be the thing that I want to do next year? And how will I do it? And then I met this guy named Chip Baker. Do you know Chip Baker? I don't. Oh, no. oh my goodness. Chip Baker, uh, for a few years, had been interviewing people on the Success Chronicles. So he is just, he is an amazing man. He is a coach at a high school in Conroe, Texas, coaches football, played football, uh, has an amazing story, has the heart of gold. And I feel like we were tw identical twins. I mean, he is just an amazing guy. And he was my 50th show in my first year. And what he, you know, we only had just a few minutes together. But what I realized is that there were other people in the world that really needed both of us to show up in a bigger way. And so he didn't say to me, what's your next plan? What's your next dream? He just made me understand that there was a lot waiting for me to do. And so I knew, okay, I got to get on my next I got to get on the next year. And so he connected me to somebody that I knew I was had on my list that I was trying to connect to. So my number one show for 2019 was Gary Brackett. Now, Gary Brackett was the Indianapolis captain of the Super Bowl team and lives here in Indianapolis and has amazing things that he was doing in the community. And, you know, it just took a text, just took a text for Chip to connect me to Gary and um, and get that set up. And that was the power of like, if I had quit at show 48, if I had quit at show 45, if I had quit at show 49, I wouldn't have had that belief with that connection to say, hey, here's how I want to be creative. Are there ways we can collaborate? And And Chip allowed me to believe that there was more collaboration that needed to happen. And he was right, you know, because I 
I text Gary for, you know, we were trying to get schedules together. And so Chip was like, hey, man, that's that's great. And I said, I want him to open it up for the Super Bowl week, right, to be the first guest. And so he was. And it was amazing. And then and then later in the year, I reached out to the VP of Walt Disney World. Right. So taking me back to my roots, how can I continue to add value? So I kept getting creative and the VP of Disney for many years was Lee Cockrell. And Lee Cockrell came on Everyday Leaders and shared his story about how he grew up with five different names and all these jobs and all these challenges. But he ended up leading 60,000 people and sharing his ideas and beliefs and how they influenced the world. Because what did I ask you in the very beginning? Where's the happiest place on earth? Right? It's Disney World. And so knowing that he showed up delivering value, he influenced everything that I wanted to learn. And so I was just so, my heart was so grateful that he said yes. And he came on and shared his story. And so, you know, Tracy Morrow, she is um, the right-hand person to John Maxwell and all of his conferences and does his, the Master of Ceremonies for his uh, his teachings that he does every month and and also his live events and now is helping with his podcast. And I asked her, would you come on and share your story? And she said, absolutely. And so it's people that I am being pulled into because of how I'm showing up, right? Just like you, Jerome, dream catchers. I'm like, oh my gosh, I love this because it's hope and inspiration that we can also celebrate with each other. And I think that's my purpose. And, and so my clients get that. They get me a thousand percent when I say, I'm taking you on as a client. We're going places. We're going to catch our dreams, just like Jerome. This is so much fun. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you kept going, kind of put one foot in front of the other. You had an introduction led to another introduction. You kept doing, then there's another introduction. And, and you don't really see everything coming together until you look back and it's like, well, if this didn't happen, then this couldn't happen. And if this didn't happen, then this couldn't happen. And it's like, whoa. But the thing that I think has been most interesting about this journey that we've been on with you is you followed your intuition every single time. And the times that you didn't were the times where it was most uncomfortable for you. And, you know, I usually ask a question about rock bottom because I want people to know that it's not all grand, but I feel like the rock bottom was when you had the panic attack with the thought of not having a paycheck, because most people don't realize that they're addicted to that, right? And so as soon as the thought that that might not show up for you happens, you run back to what you consider to be safety, because what on earth would I do if I don't get that paycheck? Right, and, right. And, and many times, Jerome, as you say that, I sit here and think like, wow, it's even as entrepreneurs, we think, well, when, when that client contract ends, should I go get a real job? Right. And you're like, no, there are so many people that need your services. You just haven't figured out how to scale your business so that you can have consistency and continuity. That's the thing that I've realized as an entrepreneur, like you're not giving yourself enough freedom and permission to follow your dream. 
you're holding yourself back. You're creating those beliefs of, well, it was a great run and now it's time to kind of go back to just a regular eight to five. And so maybe you do, right? Maybe that is for you. But for the people that have a desire to really, as I say, as a challenger, change the world and actually mean it, you have the capacity to do it. You just got to figure out what your beliefs need to change into so that you can achieve it. Got to trust yourself. You got to believe in the process. Okay, so I'm down to the final three or four. I got to decide on if I'm going to ask all of them. All right. What are you most grateful for? I'm grateful for my faith. I'm so grateful for my faith. Because of that, it uh, led me to become a team member with John Maxwell and understand that that connection was always there from my birth and why my heart was led that way. You know, not questioning, again, intuition, but just not questioning. Because uh, I'll tell you, last September in 2019, so if you're listening to this, it's December of 2020, but in 2019, September, John uh, Maxwell puts out a minute with Maxwell inspiration every day, every day. And he, he put out this challenge in September and he said, if you are struggling with anything in your life, if you want to change, if you want to learn, if you want to grow in wisdom, I want to challenge you to study the book of Proverbs for 31 days right? 31 days. So I, I put it on social media. I was like, hey, I'm up for this. I really think that this would help me. I've studied the Bible a lot, but I think I should do this in 31 days. Who wants to join me? So I put this group together. People joined. People showed up. We did 31 days. We had a celebration. And then they said, well, we should go on. We should keep doing this. And so we did. We went to Corinthians, then we went to Luke, then we went to Numbers. And today was 455 days that we've done this morning devotional just from the one challenge in September of 2019. So consistently having that piece of faith and knowing there is something else that I need to step into, right? I love challenges. And so that helped me understand that what my beliefs were and where there was a gap that I wanted, that I was just searching for, putting that into my life was unbelievable. It really has built a community of people that have said, especially through COVID, oh my goodness, I need this too. Uh, people have written books, people have started careers, people have done all kinds of things just from, you know, understanding the Bible in a, a basically leadership calling you know, applying leadership lessons to their life through the scriptures. And that's what we've done every morning at 7.30 a.m. Eastern, every day. Whoa. Talk about consistency. <laughs> I know, but you know what? You don't think about it. You're just like, I'm committing, right? My intuition says I need to commit to this because it's, I know that it's going to change me for the better. And so that's what's, that's what's happened. Beautiful. And that conviction, Right. That, that takes a certain level of conviction that a lot of people, they want to stay on the fence. They don't want to pick a side. And you're like, no, this is what I'm doing. And I'm certain about this is what I need to do. And I'm going to continue to do it until. And until is whenever. Right. What dream are you most focused on catching next? The dream that I'm most focused on catching next. It's to add value to everyone in communities so that 
you know, they can really understand that all you have to do is be and believe, just be right. Meet people where they are and help them believe in their own journey because it is unbelievable, right? When you step over that threshold and you see that there's possibilities, um, you're able to, to really accomplish amazing things in the world. And, and so what you realize is it's not about you, it's about everyone else. And you really become that servant leader for your life. And it, it just has a whole different meaning of capacity for what you can do. Love it. What gift are you giving the world? You know, I hope, I hope, hope, right? That you, that no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, no matter what you're going through, that just like my grandparents told me, you know, yeah, today may not be exactly what you want it to be, but if you just think into it, what you desire, and John Maxwell talks about this all the time, what you view is what you do. So if you can view a life that's different, that has meaning, that has purpose, then you will figure it out. You will put the right people in your life. You will find the right resources and you will start to do what you view. That's the first time I've heard it put that way. I always tell folks that it happens twice, first in the mind, then in the physical, but that's interesting. And, you know, John's pretty good with words, so. <laughs> I just, I love it, you know, and I, we talk about it every morning. We say we, we, you know, especially meeting people where they are, it's the hardest lesson in the world. You think you're giving yourself grace and you do that. But if you really look around, you always have expectations for the people in your life and you say, gosh, I get frustrated when they don't meet my expectations. And when you change that and you begin to view it differently and you say, well, what if I showed up and met them where they are? What if I understood where they're coming from and let everything else go? It totally helps you to change your perspective and you get so much more value out of that entire relationship. So Melanie, I just want to thank you for giving hope to the world. Like this has just been an amazing podcast episode where we went everywhere from Indiana to Orlando to Disney to Winston-Salem to back to Texas. I mean, we've been all over the country and just collected some amazing stories that I think will help everybody continue to have hope and believe that they should trust their intuition. So I'm grateful for you and the time investment that you've made in our community today. So thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome, Jerome. You're awesome. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it because you are an everyday leader and you are changing the world. Thank you so much. The final question is what's the one thing you want the listeners to take away from our conversation? To know that they matter. I want them to know that they matter and they're loved and, and they really can have the capacity to make a difference in the world. So for the person who hasn't heard that in a long time, what makes you say that to them? Why should they believe you? Because it's true. I think when you're, you're out of hope and your despair and stress and agony and all those things that you just, we all go through it and we think we're disconnected from the world. Oh, you don't understand. You've not been through what I've been through, right? And it's hard. The hard stuff is hard, but you have to know that you're not alone because there is somebody else that has experienced it. Maybe not exactly like that, but people do understand. And so there is someone out there. If you just are able to communicate, I'm going through this, reaching out to someone that can just listen 
because 99% of the time, we just want to be validated and heard. And after we're heard, we can start to make clear choices on what we want to do next. So I just encourage people, you know, understand that you are loved and that there are people that do care and don't give up. Don't give up hope. Melanie, this has been phenomenal. Thank you so much again. Guys, we made it to the end of the episode. So you heard it here first. You're loved. You're valued. I just want to remind you that your dreams should be real. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.